James chapter number four here tonight. I want you to see with me in verse number 14, the Bible asks this question. James, who is being led by the Holy Spirit of God, he pens these words. He asks a question right in the middle of verse number 14. For what is your life? I want to look at that this evening. As we're studying through, we're going to look at verse number 13 down through verse number 17 this evening. And right in the middle of verse 14, the Bible says, for what is your life? Ask yourself that question as we're looking at the passage of scripture tonight. How would you describe your life? Would your life be a testimony of Jesus Christ? Or would your life be a testimony of you get what you want, however you can get it? For what is your life? The Bible says in verse number 13, let's begin reading. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. And buy and sell and get and gain. Verse number 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And he asks this question, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. And he says this, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How many of you have heard that last verse often? We've probably quoted that verse. You probably quote it to someone that's doing something wrong, right? If you know, you're, if you know it's wrong and you do it anyways, it's sin. But we're going to look at this verse in its context here in this chapter. And we're going to see and study this evening for what is, what is your life? What's your life? You know, on tombstones, they put just in a short half sentence that they try to describe you. What, what would they put? If they had to put something on your tombstone, what would it be? What would your life be? If someone that knew you well stood up and had to give a testimony of your life, what would they say? What's your testimony? Now, I want you to remember, all through the book of James, who is James talking to? This is so vitally important. Who's he talking to? Somebody just say it. Is he talking to the lost? Nowhere in the book of James is James speaking to the lost. He starts the book out, and in each chapter, he addresses the, the brethren, and even in this very chapter, several times, he says, he talks about speaking to a brother or a brethren, and so all through this book, he's talking to saved people, and he's coming down to the end here, and this is not something he's using as a witnessing tool, something he's asking a lost person, tell me about your life. He's asking the saved person, what is your life? What kind of testimony are you living? There's, in this verse, these last five verses, in this chapter rather, these last five verses, they're vitally important to us in this study. 
James chapter number 13 or 12 where we left off last week we could have ended right there and and it was a great chapter and it was a convicting chapter but we can't end this chapter without us looking at these last five verses and asking this question what is our life James he's dealt with negatives of a life not yielded to the Holy Spirit in the beginning of this chapter if we as Christians do not live our lives yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, there will be consequences. There will be negatives that come into our life. He tells us this. In verse number one, he describes this. There's going to be wars and there's fightings. Where comes the wars and fightings? They, the, he says this, from, from your lust. When we give in as Christians, when we give in to our lust, when we give in to our own desires, there's negatives that come with that. There's wars, there's fightings, there's situations in our life that do not have to be there, but they're there because of sin. He tells us this in verse number two, ye lust and ye kill. Those are two things, two negative things that are in our life because we're not yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. In verse number three, he talks about our prayers being amiss. Praying and God not hearing us. Again, this isn't lost people. This is God's children. We live in such a life. We're living in such a, a way yielded to our own flesh and our own lust that when we pray, our prayers go unheard. He says in verse number four, there's a sinful lifestyle, adulterers and adulteresses, by yielding to sin, by yielding to our flesh, we're yielding, uh, we are allowing the negative things, we're allowing sinful lifestyles uh, in our lives. And James is saying those don't belong in the Christian life. In chapter four, he talks about the, the condition, the condition of your life. For what is your life? Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this way this evening. How is your life? You ever ask somebody, how's it going? What do they always say? Good. But if, if they hooked you up to a lie detector and said, how's it going? And you knew you couldn't say good without it. Do they beep? You've no, never used one. You're a police officer. You never use a lie detector. Only in the movies. <laughs> but if you hooked up, what, what would be the truth? If somebody said, how's life? How's your life? Let me ask you this question. Do you enjoy, do you have joy in your life? Is there joy? Or are you just surviving this evening? Are you just going through the motions this evening? Are you just existing? You see, James is going to help us understand that we can have joy. We can live a satisfied life. We can live a victorious Christian life, but it's not one lived where our flesh and our lust is controlling us, but the Spirit of God is controlling us. The question to ask this evening, is there joy in your life? Do you have joy in the Lord? Do you know things can be falling apart around you? You might not be happy, but a Christian ought to still have joy. It's hard. You know, it's hard to be a Christian and be happy when there's problems. How many of you ever had problems in your life? If you didn't raise your hand, you're probably going to get them tonight. Because <laughs> if you haven't, they're coming. You're going to have problems. 
And, and, and we, as Christians, it's not like we walk around pretending that, that you know, the life that we're living, you know, it's just uh, uh, our heads in a cloud and we don't understand reality. We can have tough times, but we can still have joy. And I want to show you that this evening. Let me ask you this question as well. You write this down and think about this. What are you living for? What are you living for? Let me help you to answer that. When something is taken away from you, how you respond shows what you're living for. For instance, are you, are you living for work, your job? He said, no, no, I'm living for the Lord. I, I love the Lord and, and I, I, I want to please him. But when your job is taken from you, does life fall apart? What are you living for? Are you living for money? They're talking about well, no matter what happens next Tuesday, and if one gets elected over the other, that we're probably going to see, you know, the stock market crash. And we you know what we're going to find? Who Christians are really living for. Um, we need money to live, obviously. But are you living for it? If it's gone, is life over? You living for the lust of your flesh? Are you living for success? Are you living for power? I just heard on the news the, the, uh, the other day, uh, this, this uh, I think it was a baseball player, right, that just died in that boating accident. What they found inside of him was alcohol and, and cocaine. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world when a guy supposedly has it all? I mean, those guys, they get money just for signing their name on the contract. Millions. People know who you are. They, you stand on that, 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 that diamond and, and you throw that ball, that pitching mound, and you throw that ball and people are rooting for you and watch you on TV. That guy had it all, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know, and we can look at people like that and we could say, I can't believe somebody that has everything in life and it's not enough. But Christian, we're the same way. Enough's never enough when you're being led by your flesh. Enough's never enough if you're giving into the lust of your flesh. Enough's never enough. There's not enough power. There's not enough success. There's not enough if you're living for yourself. I want you to take a look here. The Bible says this in verse number 13. It uses three words. Go to now. You see that? Go to now. You know what the Bible is saying there? Take a look at something. Or, or maybe even better this, consider. I want you to consider something here is what James is saying. Go to now, take a look at this example. Go and consider this. And I, I want us to look at verse number 13 and take a look at those that want it their way. Now think about this. Verse number 13, he says, consider. I want you to take a look at this person. Ye say this, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, continue there a year, and buy and sell, get and gain. And consider, number one, I want you to write this down, consider those who make their own plans. Consider this. Think about what he's saying is this, I go when I want to go. He says this, I don't know if I'm going to go today or tomorrow, but I'm going to make the decision when I'm going to go. He says this, I'm going to make the decision of where I'm going to go. 
So he says, uh, uh, today or tomorrow, and we will go into such a city. Who makes that decision? He makes that decision. Who, who's, who's deciding when he goes, today or tomorrow? He says, I'll go when I want to go. I'll go to the city that I want to go to. And what else does he say here? Not only will I go when I want to go, I'll go where I want to go. He says this, I'll stay as long as I want to stay. I'll decide. I'll decide when I leave. I'll decide the city I go to. I'll decide even how long I stay. And then he goes on to even say this, and I'm going to do what I want to do. I might buy, I might sell, but all it's for is so that I can get. You see verse 13? And James says this, consider this person. Consider the one that says, I'm going to make every decision in life that I want to make. Consider the one that says, I'll go when I want to go. I'll go where I want to go. I'll go as long as I want to go. I'll do what I want to do. Life is about me. How many of you realize we live in a world that says life's all about you? Even Burger King has it right. What do they say? Have it your way. You want two pickles? Take two pickles. You want no tomato? You just tell us what you want. Not like the soup Nazi. You, you just do what I tell you to do, you know? No, you, you, uh, you get what I, you get. No, 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 it is now. You do whatever you want to do. I know what television some of you watch now, huh? <laughs> I know what you're saying. How do you know about it? Oh, you found something out about me too, didn't you? <laughs> you see, we live in a life, and the reality is this, we think the world revolves around us, don't we? You say, no, I don't. Well, when something doesn't go your way, what happens? How many of you have ever been upset in life when something didn't go your way? How many of you remember you've been in a store and this little kid over in this aisle wants candy, his mom says no, and he's throwing a temper tantrum, and you're like, I would beat that kid if it was mine. <laughs> I mean, let me have your kid for a day. I'd straighten him right out. And we look at that kid having this temper tantrum. I want the candy. No, you can't have the candy. I want the candy. And the mom says no. And we're like, I can't believe he's acting that way. That's the way we act when things don't go our way. And James is saying this. I want you to consider this person. Consider the person who makes all their own plans. Consider the person that thinks that they're in control. Consider the person that says, I'll go where I want to go. I'll go when I want to go. I'll go how I want to go. I'll stay as long as I want to go. And when I get there, I'll do what I want to do. Examine the results of those that want full control. You know what you'll find? The Bible says this, we're in, the, in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You know what he's saying there? You're not in control. You're out of control. You see, there are some that want to plan their lives. Life is all about their dreams. Life is all about their goals. Life is all about their gain. And that's how their life is described. And if the question was asked them for what is your life, they would have to say, it's all about me. And the proof would be when life doesn't go their way, they throw a fit. 
And James is saying this to the Christian. So we find verse number 13, we, he says, go to, consider this. I want you to consider num verse number 14, consider this, the reality of life. Verse number 14, verse 13 is a spoiled person that says, I want life all about me. Verse number 14, we got to consider something and there's a reality to life. You know what we learned in verse number 14? You can't control tomorrow. No matter how hard you try, you can't control tomorrow. He says this, tomorrow is just as a vapor. It just, it vanisheth, uh, uh, verse 14, for what, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You can't control tomorrow. You know what he says? Life is short. Life is uncertain and there is no guarantee. He's talking to the person that thinks that they're in control. He's talking to the Christian that's living their life where they're about pleasing themselves. He's talking to the Christian who's living a life full of lust. He's talking to the Christian that says, I want everything my way and I'm not happy, God, unless everything is my way. And then James says this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I want you to consider something. You don't have control. You think, you think you're going to go here tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. Every one of us need to consider the reality of life. You've wasted your life if your motive is for self-gain. If all you're doing is living your life so that you can get, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? It could all be gone. My dad, he... He collected books, tools, and some coins. And so when my dad died, we went to the house, and my mom says, you can have all these things. And my dad had totes and totes and totes of books. I think he bought double of books. And then we went down to his basement, and every tool you can imagine times two or three. Matter of fact, some of them had the tags still on them. I said to my mom, you ought to take these back to the store where the tags are still on and see if you can return them. Tell me you don't have a receipt. Explain what happened. And she did. And she got several hundred dollars just from returning things that were in the basement. And after I, I found out she did, I thought, why did I tell her to do that? I should have done that, you know? <laughs> she took all these things back. And then in 2007 or, or so in that area, after he died, we built a house. So we moved everything from where we were living to that house. And... It filled our garage, and then we moved to Alabama, and it filled the garage there, and then we moved up here to Ohio, and you know what I find? I have all of these things that we just don't need. I know my dad well enough to know this. When he bought those things, he had every intent on using them. I could just imagine, I, I can think like him, I know he saw this project and I'm going to get this tool and this for this project. The problem is this, he passed away, the project didn't get done and the tool's sitting there. I thought about that as I was reading through this. He was planning tomorrow, but you know what never came for him? Tomorrow. And here we find as human beings, we are not guaranteed. We can't live our life where we think that we're in control. We can't live our life where we start making our decisions. We can't live our life to where we say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. This is what my life is about. You know what we learn? You can't control your life. God does. You've got to consider reality of life. 
We spend all our time and all of our energy making life what we want it. And then tomorrow comes. I want you to see something number three. Consider this, verse number three. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know, I believe James is saying thirdly is this, consider the proper view of life. We first of all, he says, go to this. I want you to see this. That's a person that thinks that they're going to plan everything themselves. They leave God out. What they're planning is their lust, their decisions, what they want. And then they're going to learn. There's something about life you're going to learn. You know what you're going to learn? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Well, that sounds pretty sad though, doesn't it? Where's the hope there? Once again, as James is helping instruct the Christian, he gives us something to consider. He gives us something that maybe we're, we need to work on. He gives us an area in our life that, that we're failing in. He says, that's not how you can act. This is the result of acting that way. But just like James has done in other chapters, he brings us hope. He says this, I want you to consider the proper view of life, Christian. And what is that proper view? He says this, if the Lord will, that's how we ought to live our life. What's he saying here in verse number 15? The Christian says this, if the Lord will, I'll go. Verse number 13, the man says, I'll go when I want to go. Today, tomorrow, I don't know. I'll make the decision. James says, no, 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 it ought to be this, the Lord will. I'm going to live my life pleasing to the Lord. I am going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to direct me. I'm going to let him tell me when. I'm going to let him tell me where. I'm going to let him tell me what. I'm going to live my life considering the proper view of life. The right view that a Christian ought to live is this, whatever God desires, that's what I want. He says this, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You see that? What he's saying is this, Christian, it is not for us to say, it's not for my place, my time, my life, but the proper biblical view, the proper biblical theology of a Christian ought to be this, whatever the Lord desires, that's what I want for my life. Listen to me, when you have that desire, it doesn't matter what happens in life, you know this, it's what the Lord's will is. You don't always have to like what the Lord's will is, but you can find joy and you're satisfied knowing this is God's will for your life. Did you ever go through a heartache and you know it was your fault? Did you ever rack the, the credit card up because you had an addiction to shopping? Don't raise your hand. Do you ever now have a consequence that you have to it's your fault. You made a dumb decision and now you're paying for it. That's a verse 13 Christian. You know what happens when something happens in your life, whether it be a trial, whether it be a burden, I can bear any burden as long as I'm living that, that verse 15 life, if the Lord will. He puts something in my life. I know I can bear it because I can trust him because it's his will. 
Not my place, not my time, not my life, but Lord's will. Listen to me. The solution to our problematic life is this, having the proper understanding of who is in charge of my life. Who's in charge? See, boy, I've got so many problems. I've got so many issues. Ask yourself, who's in charge of your life? If you're in charge, guess what? There's problems coming. And when there's problems come, you have only yourself to blame. Isn't that a bad place to be? How many of you made a problem in your life, you knew it was your problem, but you looked around to blame somebody else? Come on, I know you've done it. You ever do something you want to blame your spouse for it? And you know it's not them. You just, that was just, I got to blame somebody. You ever blame your kids for something? Blame a coworker. I mean, you, you put the blame on somebody else. I like it. The one that's got upset, they racked their credit card bills up and they got upset at the credit card company and said, if the credit card company wouldn't have given me credit, I wouldn't have had a debt. That's a true story. I heard it with my own two ears. Someone used that excuse. I said, tell me what's the problem. They told me what the problem was. And they said, we're so upset with the credit card company. They never should have given us that. That's just weird thinking. That's what he's talking about. You're, you're now looking at it the wrong way. And when you find yourself at a place where life is all about you, life is all about your decisions, life is all about your lust, where you go, when you go, how you go, everything's about you, eventually it's going to fall apart and there's nothing and nobody but you that you can look at. Oh, but listen to me, listen to me. When you live your life, when you live your life and you say this, if the Lord will, every event in my life is about to begin with the, if the Lord will, if I depend upon him when a trial comes, you know what? He'll never fail me. The Bible says he'll never fail me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the best friend. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. All through the scriptures, I find confidence in the Lord. If I'm living my life, if the Lord will, no matter what comes my way, I can depend upon him. Wouldn't we want to live that way, Christian? You see, if I consider the proper view of life, if I make the decisions, I have no one to blame when I fail but me. But when God is making decisions, when I go through a trial, when I go through a burden, when I go through a hurt, I can lean on him. Do you ever go through a trial in your life and lean on the Lord? Boy, isn't that a peaceful place to be? I mean, you're going through a burden in life and, and it's not because of the decisions you've made. It's not because you're saying it's my life and I'll do what I want to do. You're going through a burden in life and it's not anything you've done. It's something the Lord has allowed. And in that hardness, in that burden, in that area of life when you just don't know what to do, you can rest in the Lord. You see, consider. Consider the proper view of life. I want you to see in verse number 16, the Bible says this, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. You know what he says there? And then when something good happens, you act like it's because of you. He says, that's evil. 
you know what, consider this. Consider your way will always lead to an unfulfilled life. I think every Christian ought to consider this fact. Your way will always lead to an unfulfilled life. Always. It leads to vanity. Look, look with me, and, and we don't have time this evening, but if you go to Ecclesiastes chapter number one, you'll find the man, he says, I, I'm the preacher, and, and, and I'm writing here in Ecclesiastes, and, and all vanity is vanity, all is vanity. Here is Solomon, the richest man in the world. He had hundreds of wives, hundreds of concubines, millions of dollars, billions of dollars, hundreds, thousands of horses, stables, wealth, fame, servants, slaves. He had everything, and it wasn't enough. He wasn't fulfilled. Solomon lived his life getting. He lived in his life seeking love. He lived his life lusting. He lived his life. You know what he found? He wrote an entire book he, in the Bible. And he said this, it leads to wanting more. One wife's not enough. Two, three, four. He got to hundreds. Then he had a whole bunch of them he didn't marry. One God wasn't enough. He took upon all his wives' gods and one, another one wasn't enough and a third one wasn't enough. Then he began to worship hundreds of them. One horse wasn't enough. One stable wasn't enough. He had to have more. Matter of fact, he had so much, the queen of Sheba came and said, boy, what I see is even more than what I heard. What she was saying is, I heard you had a great kingdom, but my goodness, what I heard doesn't describe what you have. And that wasn't enough for Solomon. And listen to me. Christian, it'll never be enough for you. He's saying this, for what is your life? What do you live for? You're not satisfied with what God's given you, so you've got to have more. Your lust says, give me more. Your love says, give you more. I got to get more. I got to get, I got to get. Only to leave you empty. The more you get, the more you want. The more you want, the more you try to get, the more you want. It's just a vicious cycle that never ends. And you're never satisfied. Listen to me, we look and we say, that's, that's the unsaved world, isn't it? That's just exactly how the unsaved world is. The more they get, the more they want. He's not talking to the unsaved world. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He says, go to now. Consider this. You know what he's saying again? Take a good inventory of your heart. What do you want? Nothing satisfies outside of Jesus Christ. No will that you have will ever be enough. The only thing that can satisfy a Christian is when a Christian stands humbly before the Lord and says, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want to do today. I don't care about what I want today. I'm going to die today and I'm going to live my life glorifying you. I'm going to live my life where whatever you will for my life, I'll find joy in, Lord. And that, in that place only is where a Christian finds true joy. 
You look at work. You know, a lot of times the problem is you don't like work, so you want something more. You quit this place, you go to this place. You know what you find when you go here? It's the same problems. And what you say is, man, that's got the same problems that the last place had. That's because the problem left the last place and went to where you are. It's called you. Well, that relationship didn't work, so I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to try this one. You know what's going to happen? The same problem. If you're not satisfied with what God has given you, getting more isn't going to satisfy you. Being content with what you already have is where the Christian ought to live. Saying, God, whatever you desire for my life, whatever you want me to go through today, whatever trial I have to go through, whatever burden I have to bear, as long as I know that it's your will, I can go through it. As long as I know this is your plan, I can find joy. As long as I know you're with me, I can find rest. But you can't have any of that when it's your choice. Lastly, I want you to see this. The Bible says this. Therefore, therefore. You like that word, therefore? What's that word mean? It means therefore. No, what's that word, therefore, mean? Some, some scholar. After everything I just said to you, this is where we're at. It's exactly right. You know what it means? Consider everything I just said. He says in verse 13, go to now. You know what? Consider the one that thinks they're going to plan their life. Verse 14, consider, consider you're not in control. Verse number 15, what's that next one? Consider what? Consider if the Lord wills. Uh, verse number 16, consider your way will lead to an unfulfilled life. And last, you need to consider this. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Listen to me, consider this. True joy only comes living a life of truth. Living a life of truth. You see, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. Listen to me. From whence comes war and fightings among you? Well, they come from your lust. So him that lives with wars and fightings instead of peace, it's sin. You don't have a right, Christian, to say, I'll live my life however I want to live. You were bought with a price. Jesus owns your life. You know, the day, the day I said I do to my wife, I lost a lot of privileges. Seriously. I can't just go eat with whoever I want to eat with anymore. I can't call the neighbor up and say, hey, uh, Let's go out to dinner. I lost that right when I married my wife. I'm glad I lost. Anything I lost, I'm glad I did. Listen to me. The day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you no longer have the right to say, I'll live how I want to live. 
That old man no longer controls your life anymore. You're not in bondage to sin any longer. And when you go back and do that, it is sin. True joy only comes through a life lived with truth. What is a life lived of truth? A life living for the eternal, not the present. So the better question then is this, what did you do for eternity's sake today? Because you know what I'm afraid? Sometimes if we're not careful, we can live our life day after day after day after day and we're not making a dent in eternity. We ought to live our lives to represent Jesus Christ. We ought to live our lives so that, that we, can, we can teach others about Jesus. We ought to live our life to be a witness. And we ought to live our life so that when I'm in eternity, I have something to give back to Jesus. And when a Christian lives their life for themselves, when a Christian lives their life with fightings and wars, when a Christian lives their life in sin, when a Christian lives their life letting the old man rule their life, when they see Jesus, they have nothing to give to him. That's what it's all about. Today, did I have something in my life that was accomplished so that when I see Jesus, I get to lay something at his feet? Or did I waste my life on something that I leave behind? I love history. Does anybody in here like history? I love history. I love watching those boring history channels. Anybody, you know, like the ones like, you know, the kids are like, kind of looks like some people when I'm preaching. Like, oh, come on, get done with this. I just find it fascinating. Do you ever see where they find the Pharaoh's tombs inside of these pyramids? When that Pharaoh dies, he wanted everything in his tomb, right? He's got like all of these servants in there. And he's got all this gold and all of these, these precious things. Why does he do that? So that he can take these things to the next life. Right? That's why he does it. And when they find his tomb, you know what they find? A dead pharaoh, dead servants, gold, and all these precious things. You know what happened? They stayed here. Not one thing went with them. And James is trying to get the Christian not to make the same mistake. Don't live your life making decisions that stay here. Make your life count for eternity. Make decisions in your life that you can bring and lay at the feet of Jesus. If you don't, it's sin. Because him that knoweth to do good, therefore, everything I just said to you, if you don't do it, you're living in sin. And a Christian that lives in sin does not have joy because they're not living in truth. And if they're not living in truth, they have nothing eternal that they're going to lay at the feet of Jesus. Everything is wood, hay, and stubble. I can't seem, I can't, my wife is trying to get me to do it. I 
just can't get rid of those tools and those boxes of books. She leaves the garage door open up at night. She puts signs that says free take while my husband's not home. She tries to get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. You know why? It's my dad's. But I know this. When I'm gone, it's going to be in her garage. And I want to make good decisions in my life so that when I'm gone and I'm at the feet of Jesus, it's just crown after crown and gift after gift. I don't want to be that guy that's like sitting back here. I'm glad I'm in heaven. I'm just watching everyone else give. Because everything that I thought was important, it burned up back on earth. My tools, my books, everything I have. My son-in-laws all have it when we're all raptured. You guys will get that later. <laughs> it's gone. 